Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is Football Social Daily, Premier League podcast. It's a beautiful morning in Manchester, but the sunshine hasn't brought many smiles, you lucky, lucky Aussies. A month's worth of rain over the weekend put a dampener on the latest Ashes cricket test match at Old Trafford. One of those annoying things about the sport that you can't really change. But if there was one thing about football that you could switch up, what would it be? It's that time of year where football's rulemakers begin to draw up potential modifications to the laws of the game. So we'll be asking what needs to be different. It's also the time of year for transfers as Barnes has completed his move from Leicester to Newcastle. Is Elise on the way out of Crystal Palace amidst interest from two Premier League giants? And we'll discuss why one Premier League player may refuse his potential transfer to a new club because he doesn't know if his beloved Bulldogs will be allowed to come with him. All of that and more on today's Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast covering all things top-flight football. I'm Niall McCorn, and as ever, alongside me, Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. How's your weekend, boys? Yeah, not bad. More DIY in football, so that's that's pretty much my life at the, at the minute. Yeah, I saw that. You were back in pre-season for Sunday League, weren't you? I was, yeah. First game back, yeah. And also, who's cutting the grass at the pitch you were playing at? Because that <laughs> was ridiculous. <laughs> I saw a photo of you playing, and I was like, you can't even see anyone's boots, the grass is so long. Yeah, not Didsbury Council, Jesus. <laughs> I had to drive 25 minutes to get there and play this random team, and then turned up and everyone was just like, "What? who's cut this grass? Like, what's going on? They've just completely... Looked like it was it ready was, for harvest. It, it, it was. It was playing fields, like because and the whole the whole thing had just not been cut for probably since May. So yeah, it was uh, it was a joke. And are you still reeling from our six side loss last Sunday, Joe? Yeah, honestly, I'm still. Every time, every time I think of a team in the past who's lost a trophy from you know Luke conceding after the last two minutes, I feel the pain so much. Especially because <laughs> it's been a washout this this uh, this weekend. I had a lot of thinking time. I was really depressed last Monday about it, but now it's water under the bridge. Our kit, which we've signed, is up in the office here at FSD Towers. But Joel, you're still you're still clinging on to it. So I got over it pretty quick. I was annoyed last Monday, but now I'm fine. You're still no, miserable oh, about it. If, I, if the viewers could only just see we had six minutes and we were 2-0 <laughs> up, how does that happen? Really? 
I don't know. Bottle jobs. Ask, ask AC Milan. They'll, they'll be able to tell <sighs> you. Or Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I had to mention the cricket at the top of the show. Gutted that the rain has denied England a chance of levelling the ashes going into the final test match. If you don't know what cricket is, it's basically like baseball, but more tactical, a much older sport and a lot sillier as well. If you're a fair dinkum Australian, you absolute bunch of tin asses. You have got away with one there. But moving on to what we're really here to discuss, which is, of course, football. And despite the cricket being irritating in it in its ending in that way, I wanted to ask on today's show, what is the one thing in professional football that you change in the rule book if you could? Because it's around that time of year that changes get made to the law book. And recently we've seen five subs introduced, for example. We've seen experimentation with concussion protocols changes to the handball laws, VAR came in a few years back. But what would be one thing you'd change, if anything, to the rules this summer if you could only change one thing? The argument is that football needs to develop itself to keep attracting younger fans. We'll come on to that in a minute because I don't think it does. But if there was one thing you would change to the rule book, and it could come into effect from the start of next season in a couple of weeks' time, what would you change? God, I have a few gripes with football at the moment. I think one that's a little less serious but should definitely be implemented is the corner kicks. I think you should definitely get a yellow card if you can't beat a first man from a, from a corner <laughs> kick. How are you a professional footballer and you cannot lift the ball from the corner and put a decent ball into the box? Because honestly, I remember watching so many different games where you get a corner in the final few minutes and you're thinking, this is it. We could score from this corner. And then the the opposition team puts a man just in front because they know nine times out of ten he's not going to lift it over him. It's quite funny it's though. Madness. You know when you're in the crowd at a game and the ball goes out for a corner for your team and all the fans are like, "Go on, yeah, this go is on. it." It just when do you ever score from a corner? Maybe like once far, or twice yeah, it feels, a season. It feels far and few between now, doesn't it? From a corner, maybe we need to change the rules on corners potentially. Do you think it's to do with like the way the pitches are now? So obviously you've got the grass and then. Once the grass ends, it's astroturf or concrete. And I can't imagine it's easy to run up and strike the ball truly mm. without thinking, oh, no, I'm going to slip or don't have the right grip. I know at Old Trafford, the pitch is a little bit raised and there's not a lot of runway to actually take a run up to actually kick it. And also it, where the corner flag's placed as well, if you're an in-swinger, you almost think that your foot's going to kick the corner flag because of the position and I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that influences how they kick it. And the corner flags, they're so thick now, aren't they? Right, right, exactly. Unless you're Jamie Vardy who absolutely annihilated it not (laughs) long ago. (laughs) What a riveting conversation this is. (laughs) The corner flags are so thick these days, aren't they? I mean, this is we're in the depths of pre-season. I'm not really sure what else there is to talk about. You can tell it's the 24th of July and we've not got much football to talk about. I think it's something that's a little bit controversial. You know, like in basketball where they have a timeout where in the final 10 seconds let's say they need a three-pointer to win the game imagine that in football where let's say we're oh. one nil down in the last minute what, someone's <laughs> running through on goal and they just call and a like, time out like, time out time out and then he just stops <laughs> everyone just waits and then he's like trying to position everyone i don't know how that would work i mean what i would change is foul throws so if you commit a foul throw it then turns over to the other team and they take the throw i think we should stop that i think when it turns over to the other team it should be a free kick right on the dead ball line for the other team. I think it's absolutely criminal that a professional footballer is unable to throw the ball in properly. It's so easy. Keep your feet on the ground. 
It's not difficult at all. Even kids know how to throw it's not the even ball the feet. properly. It's um, where they position oh, yeah. the hands Throwing in front the ball of their head. In front of like their it's face. a netball like or something. Ridiculous. Yeah. Do you remember that Iranian guy in the World Cup where he tried to do uh, one of those somersaults to fling it in? Yeah. <laughs> and he, he missed the byline and ended up like halfway onto the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an insensational I mean, throw. It's just one of those things that really winds me up about football. Foul throws. Just, I don't understand I'd go stronger. I'd, I'd say anybody who does a foul throw needs shooting immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I smile. Hopefully with like a paintball gun or something. <laughs> Someone in the stands just like getting the yeah. calf if you keep missing. What about you, Marley? Is there anything other than shooting people taking throw-ins that well, you'd like to bring in? You two took this a bit like... I, I When you asked me the question this morning, I was like, all right, I've got one like straight away. But then you you two have gone like a bit rogue with it. So. Oh, go on then. Go on, now give us your original first. Just the... Anyone on the pitch who gets injured, um, the physio should be allowed to come on while the, the game continues. Like <laughs> exactly like in rugby. Because yeah, yeah. what is in the games continuing so the, around the game, while they're the on the game? The game doesn't yeah. stop. Yeah, mean? the game, the game, the game does not stop because well, even if it's a head injury or if it's a serious one, you know, head injuries obviously the game stops. But anything because you see it so many so many times, don't you? One nil up, ten minutes to go. And all of a sudden, all these elite professional footballers get cramp. Start dropping like, like oh, flies, right, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a little clip and they're down and they're rolling around. The physio comes on, the game stops. And, and as we know, it probably leads to a bigger problem is that the um, the clock doesn't stop. It just carries on. Mm. And, and that referee, ties into that, though, because yeah. I've got that down as well, because I did some research and last season, yeah. there was, the ball was in play for 55 minutes and three seconds, which is the least it's been in a decade. So is that not a problem? Is that like an itself? average over Premier League uh, games? And a whole average yeah. for the entire season, 55 minutes. Yeah, it is, yeah. So it's... we're losing 35 minutes of football. Yeah, it's silly. I think you should just... It it ties into that. that uh, the I don't know why you wouldn't just stop the clock. Because then when it gets to 90 minutes, 90 minutes, that's it, you're done. Well, referees you'll notice in the Premier League actually wear two watches, one on each hand. And that's not to have a spare in case one breaks. They do use both of them. One of them is supposed to continue running the whole match and the other one you're supposed to stop when the ball goes out of play. And then the difference between the two when you get to 90 minutes is how you work out your added time. But if the ball's in play for 55 minutes, the referee can't go, oh, we'll have 25 minutes, 35 minutes added time. Do you remember the World Cup? Yeah, the ridiculous added added time. time. Mm -hmm. It actually reduced the wastages of time quite considerably. It worked, but the problem with that was they didn't—they never told anyone, did they? And they didn't know when to stop <laughs> so we it. were watching the England game in, in the office and we were like, 13 minutes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no one went down or anything like that. It was mad. Yeah. I mean, here's one for you. Have you been watching any of the Women's World Cup that's been on the last couple of days? Because the referees in that, in Australia and New Zealand, when they've gone over to the TV for the VAR decision, the mm. microphones on their faces have actually been turned live to the stadium PA and the referee then announces to the crowd what their decision is so there was one referee in the England versus Haiti game which was the first time I've ever seen this went over to the screen and said my decision is no penalty because of this it will be a free kick to Haiti and then it happened a couple of times in the game and actually I thought that was good because it allows the referee to demonstrate their thinking a little bit whether that would ever happen in Premier League football I have no idea. I would hazard a guess as probably no. I think the atmosphere is probably a bit more hostile in Mm. Premier League football matches than in the Women's World Cup. But I thought that was really interesting. And it shows that maybe FIFA are thinking about how referees can be more transparent. Mm. I I think it'll happen. I think we'll we'll at least get a trial of 
of hearing what referees have to say. Um, whether the trial will work or not, you don't know because it's not gonna. It's not a, a situation which will end everybody's arguing about what is and what isn't a, a penalty or a free kick or an offside or whatever. So, what, what do you think about the new offside proposed rule, where it only I, is considered offside if the whole of the body is in front of the last man? No, Sorry, I don't like it. Yeah, if if the let's say the guy's the attacker's body is ahead of him, but their heel is in line with the last defender that's yeah. onside. So it's, it's a bit it's like a, the whole the of the ball has to be over the line for a goal. Like yeah. the whole of the player oh, needs yeah, to yeah, be it's in it's front. It's the backwards point, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So this back point is has to be. I don't like level. that because I don't like. I it. think the whole point of offside and when it came into the game, however many years ago, hundreds probably, was to stop attacking players gaining an advantage. Now, I don't think half a toenail offside is gaining an advantage against the defender, but I do think three quarters of someone's body, which could be equivalent to a yard or maybe over a metre if you're someone with as big a stride as Erling Haaland. Well, it's equivalent to a gold medal in the 100 metre Olympics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that is an advantage. I think we should do what is what I've been saying for ages. When the Dutch League, I think, first brought in drawing the lines and stuff, if there was a gap between the lines... It was offside. If the lines were touching and it was that close, the benefit of the doubt would be given to the attacking player. So it's onside. So it's like the old daylight rule. If you could see daylight between the attacking player and the defender, mm. it's offside. That's what referees always used to be told. And now we've got the ability to look further into it and a little bit more forensically into offsides. It's kind of funneled down a little bit into sort of these minute decisions. I do think it needs to change because it does ruin the enjoyment of the game, I think, sometimes when you see what looks to be a perfectly legitimate goal called for offside because someone's nipple is offside. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's ridiculous at times. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm in agreement. I feel like they've gone a little bit too pedantic with the rules with offside, a little bit too precious with it, where I think, what was it, two seasons ago where they were zooming in on a person's yeah, knee yeah, yeah. and looking at the hair follicle to see if it was just ahead of the <laughs> other one. I mean, come on, that's not what football is. If you can see the lines... Like you've just like, like you've just said, if a person an inch of a person's knee is ahead of the defender, that's not an advantage because no, no. he can recover pretty quickly. I mean, it if is an advantage hole, yeah. in the bare sense of the word. But, in but terms how far do you want to go? Exactly, we going to yeah, molecules. Yeah, we going to atoms. Yeah. Like, come on, how far do we want to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as a little uh, more funner one, you know, in the states in the first in, in the nineties when MLS first started coming around, mm-hmm. where instead of a penalty shootout, they did almost a one-on-one shootout. Which team in the Premier League? would be the best at that. So to, for the viewers to visualise it, it was, they would start on the, I think, let's say 20 yards out from the box and they would go in towards the goalkeeper as if they were through on goal mm. and they would have to beat the goalkeeper and then that mm. would go towards the tally. Who would be the best team and who would be the, the worst team? I think Crystal Palace would be the best team. They do have some Croydon ballers in that team. I think they would be. So the thought of Jean-Philippe Mateta. Like, you, you, you know, I wasn't, you, I wasn't you on about him. Jordan I running through. I was, and just I, I was thinking, straight it. away, I was thinking, I want Elise, I want Eze, maybe Zaha. Well, Zaha's gone. I know, Elise's going. <laughs> going, which we'll talk about later. But right, Hodgson will be right now, up. Crystal, Crystal Get Palace. Get Roy Hodgson in there, yeah, see? Joel Ward running through on goal, can you imagine? Um, yeah, I reckon. I don't know who'd be the worst. No idea. Luton? I don't know. I think it's easy to say Luton because they're new boys and no one knows a lot about them. Who doesn't score many goals? Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea would be sick though. Chelsea clicked us in a goal just before of Mudrick last night. And he looked like an absolute world beer, and they beat Brighton as well. Mm. He looked really good. I think. I'm actually, I think Chelsea will have really. I'd say Chelsea season. or maybe Wolves would, wouldn't be great. Yeah, Wolves struggle a lot. Yeah, they don't really have 
a goal scorer right now. It looks like Raul Jimenez is going to leave for Fulham, which we'll talk about later as well. But the reason I want to talk about these changes to the rules, it's not just because the cricket annoyed me yesterday and I was thinking of ways that you can alleviate the problems with the English weather. It's because we've seen it in recent years. Someone like Arsene Wenger, for example, is an example of this, where he said football needs to change. I can't remember what he said, but they're expanding the World Cup to more, t- more teams. There was some sort of report inside FIFA where they were trying to figure out whether young people are interested in the sport. From what I know from growing up in this country, I'm certain that there are young kids under the age of 10 who are still absolutely gripped on football. And I just think, for instance, in our city of Manchester, City have just won a treble. So that no doubt will hook in a generation of supporters uh, of younger age groups to become football fans for the years to come. I don't personally think that football needs to become more entertaining, to be honest with you, but the people in charge of the game seem to think that there needs to be some sort of change because if football stands still, it might not be as popular as it was. I think it depends who the person is watching it. So an American viewer would probably find football, soccer, a little bit less entertaining than, say, basketball, which is non-stop kind of, you know, but then when you compare it to American football, for example, that's like almost the polar opposite because there's a hell of a lot of stoppages. Mm, that's hell, Yeah, so I don't know. There needs to be a balance. But I think at the end of the day, like you said, when you watch different leagues, it has different levels of entertainment. Mm. So watching a La Liga game or a Serie A game to an English viewer might be a little less entertaining compared to watching a Premier League game because the pace of the game is just insanely quick. Mm. Um, compared to, for example, if you watch an MLS game, the quality is far considerably less. So I can imagine that's why American viewers aren't so enthralled by it because there's not a crazy amount of competition and it's not very competitive. Um, And then when you go to the World Cup, suddenly everyone's really engaged in it because the quality goes to another level. So I don't know. I think it's purely a quality level, to be honest. If you look at the different countries, the more quality, the quality usually equates to entertainment, doesn't it, pretty much? And if you haven't got, I can imagine the Saudi League is going to go up in terms of entertainment because you're going to have better players there. It's just logic, isn't it, really? As far as I'm concerned, I don't think football is not entertaining. But then you do sometimes get nil-nils where you're like, oh, that was a waste of time. But then again, not every game can finish 9-0. And it'd be annoying if it did. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be as fun. But I mean, I think it's an interesting debate. And I think it's interesting that someone like an elder statesman in Arsene Wenger is one of these people who thinks that football needs to maybe change itself and dynamise a little bit. Do you think we're a little bit gatekeepers, though, when it comes to football? Because it's been around for so long and because the rules have been so consistent that if someone attempts to try and change it, we're almost a little bit yeah. offended. I think that's a fair point. But also VAR. I was a big advocate for goal line technology because I think that was the natural next step in terms of making the game better. Mm. But VAR, I can't stand it. I, I mean, I'm getting used to it. But I still find it difficult to accept, you know? Like, do, you not, do you not think the perspective is you like the technology of AR, but you don't like the people who are running it in terms of their consistency? Because I think the technology is absolutely perfect in terms of giving people a retrospective look at a decision. But it's in terms of the consistency of the rules in place mm. is not consistent. Well, yeah, I mean, that first season when we had VAR, it felt like every single oh, week disaster. on this podcast, every Monday we were yeah. talking about some sort of shocking decision. And the whole point was to eradicate those decisions. But anyway, I think this is a debate which we could 
uh, tap into for the next few weeks, probably the next few seasons. Football is one of those games where it always generates big talking points. And some of the biggest talking points this summer have been the Saudi League, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, but also those transfer sagas, those long drawn out transfer sagas that seem to take forever. One of them's finally resolved. Harvey Barnes has finally completed his move to Newcastle. And could there be more Premier League players on the move as well? We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back. I'm Niall. I've got Joel and Marley with me. I'm going to talk transfers now. And we'll start with Marley, who's a Newcastle United fan, and they've just signed Harvey Barnes from Leicester City. It was in the works for a while. The Finally, the move has been completed. And over the weekend, he made his debut in a pre-season game that finished 2-2. Happy with that one? 3-3, three, three, it ended. Did it, with sorry. Villa. Yeah. Draw. Um, yeah, he's, he's, like I said last week, he's a good player. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed with St. Maximan going, but I don't think it was his decision. And with the FFP restrictions, you've, you've got to sell before you can buy because we haven't got that um, Champions League revenue on our books yet in terms of the I don't know how it works to be honest but the spreadsheets don't add up basically so we can't go and spend the money that everyone knows we have and mm. it's a it's lazy for people to just go oh they're just going to go out and buy everyone because we literally can't like we've just had to sell St Maximan to buy Barnes and you know it, they're similar levels of players it's not like we've sold Matt Ritchie to sign Harvey Barnes and we didn't need Ritchie like if Maxi was still at the club he would have played a lot next season but it's the way it is, but Barnes is is a good player. I think his um his his stats uh add up to a lot of players that you wouldn't think they add up to. So I was watching um somebody put on on Twitter last week that um it was him against Rashford. There was like four goals between them in the last three seasons or something, um, and he scored more goals than Saka. Someone described him on Twitter as. <laughs> 
A ready salted winker. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to uh, Saint Sa- Maximan, who is just all out skills Sa- and jogger Benito. Saint Maximan's those Thai sweet chili, crisps, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of spice. <laughs> if it was if he was a meal deal, it'd be a tuna sandwich with plain <laughs> plain crisp in a water. <laughs> Where's all this coming from? Sorry. No, he's a good harsh. He's decent. I think on his he's day, he's one of the better wingers in the Premier he's League. Got, he's got a lot of a uh, mm. lot of goals. He's got good his, output. Yeah. He's got a good output. His thing as well, yeah. I think he's a good player, but yeah, it's um, we'll see how he gets on because I think Anthony Gordon's looking really good in preseason because he's had that tournament. Someone's changed their tune, haven't I, they? About still, Anthony Gordon. I still don't like the guy, but how's um, you wait when he starts firing goals in few? You're going to be loving him in the Champions League. That's going to annoy me as well because <laughs> I'll be annoyed at myself. Uh, how's uh, the prisoner two five zero, aka Sandro Tonali, been doing in preseason? The prisoner, what what was that reference? Because <laughs> he's so unhappy to be there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, objectively, hey, objectively, he's doing all right. You can see he's quality to be fair when you watch him like his, his passing is excellent he's one of them who's like similar to sort of Jorginho like you know when he just gets the ball all the time like right. everything goes through him type of thing so he's just one of them but yeah he's um he's, he's doing alright and he's got his number 8 shirt now I think because yeah. uh, uh, Maxi's left, so Gordon's took the number ten, which again I'm not not that happy about. <laughs> he just um, hates. The he's guy. really fighting the Anthony Gordon rise. <laughs> yeah, um, and then. Tenali's went from twenty to to number eight, so that's that's all on brand for him. Bit of a deeper question here: What do you make of all of this narrative around Sam Maximan going to the Saudi League and Newcastle being owned by the Saudi Public Investment Fund, albeit the Premier League couldn't find any links to the Saudi state, which mm. is a different matter altogether? And people accusing Newcastle United of mm. you know being underhanded in selling Sam Maximan to a Saudi side. Do you think that that's fair criticism or not? Because a good counter argument would be Watford, who are owned by the exactly. Pozzo family, who also own Udinese in, in Italy. Yeah. And there's been like 40 plus transfers for players between those two clubs, who are of course sister clubs. And then yeah. Newcastle, and Leipzig. Yeah, Newcastle yeah. sell one player to Saudi Arabia and all of a sudden, you know, it's a big issue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if that's your, your view on it as a football fan, you... You are mental because it, this is these deals have been going on for like ten years now. Um, I've, I, there was a tweet from uh, this morning from a guy from the Athletic, Jack Pitbrook, who said that Ian Holloway complained complained when Watford were loaning loads of Udinese players back in 2013, um, and he said he was basically the scientist at the start of a disaster film who knows what's around the corner but isn't listened to at the time because mm. he was like, this is wrong. How can you Never sell? thought I'd hear Ian Holloway described as a scientist. Yeah. But. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's daft because that's, you know, football's been doing this for years. You can't, like, it's, it's like what I said about the takeover. You can't be angry that we're getting this mm. so-called dirty money when it's been flooding the game for years. Yeah. Well, you just ignored it. Now now it suits your agenda. Yeah. The argument Newcastle, in yeah. this situation is that Sam Axman isn't worth 30 million and is, the Saudi state of inflated the value to 30 million. That's the baffling thing for me. Like people on That's on, the argument that people are trying to make. Going, oh, well, he's not worth 38 million. If Fred's worth fifty million, in St. Maximan's worth thirty million. Hey, what's, Fred have, Fred, what's Fred ever done of, done to you? In <laughs> fifty million. <laughs> no, I, I would have I initi- watched I would him ha- in the flesh, and he was even worse. Yeah, than I, I drink I feel Marley. Um, the only, I would have an issue with it if it was, let's say, sixty million, 
And I would think, where the hell have they come up with that value in the cooking the books? But that's double the value that they're actually getting for him. So, I mean, that would be significant. Yeah, yeah. And then if some, everyone. If would somebody came to us and wanted St. Maximan, as in just a, you know, I don't know. I'd say a, Leon or someone. Chelsea or yeah, someone. Right, okay. like you, we'd be like 55, 60 million because we don't want to sell him. To because, a Premier League because team. Because we want to sell him. Especially not to a Premier League team. Exactly. So when, when we want to sell him, his price is lower. He's going to a non-competitor for 38 million, 30 million quid, I think it is. So I don't see the issue. He's he, he's definitely worth 30, 30 million because he's like 26. Mm, I think that's fair. He's not even old. He's uh, he's in his prime. Mm. To be fair, the Man City fans did warn you that you're going to get these sorts of news articles and comments and yeah. flack from other supporters. And that's that's fair enough. Like, you know, as, yeah. long as, as long as you can sort of straight bat it with a bit of logic. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you're coming at me saying, oh, for... 38 million, or it's too much for some Axeman. I'm like, no, it's not. No, I would agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I guess, like, I, I guess the only you can't gripe you can have with it is that Eddie Howe's been pretty adamant that we need money in to get players in, and suddenly they've managed to secure a deal quite quickly. But I can understand on the flip side, which is St. Maximan's no bum. He's a good player as yeah, well, yeah. and he's in his prime. Mm. It's not like they've bought mm. uh, La Sales for. 50 million and suddenly they've got funds available. And how much I did you pay for Harvey Barnes? I didn't see the fee. 38. Okay. So that's why I keep saying 38. It's like for like. It's, it's, co- I think, it's, so cost, you, it's cost you 8 million to sign Harvey eight. Barnes, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I, mean, out, I think that's good business million, yeah. if you ask me. Anyway, moving so. on, we've got to talk about some more transfer news because there's a fair bit to get through actually when it comes to the Premier League. Uh, this isn't really transfer news as such, but interesting that Fulham midfielder Joao Paulina picked up a pretty serious shoulder injury in a pre-season game for Fulham this weekend. Do you think that changes anything in terms of his potential transfer to West Ham United? Joel, who were interested, they've lost Declan Rice and we spoke here with Jim a couple of weeks ago saying that Paulina is one of West Ham's targets and he's been one of the more impressive midfielders in the league, hasn't he? He has, but West Ham are in a difficult position, which is that everyone knows they've got 100 million to spend. <laughs> Every player's price is going to go up a good 20, 30%, isn't it? I do feel really, really sorry for Fulham. I don't know how they've been targeted. I don't know if Saudi have put all the club's <laughs> names in a hat and just picked out, right, this is the one we're going to absolutely gut this summer. Because obviously Silver's rejected the trans, uh, rejected the 40 million two-year contract running Al-Hilal, which I'm really surprised that I thought he was going to go. It looks like Mitrovic is definitely going to be on his way, which is such a shame because he was such a big player for them last season. And now they're having to kind of rejig all the plans and West Ham are trying to target their best midfielder. And suddenly what looked to be a really good season looks to be almost uh, a disfortune for their success in a way where they're yeah. literally victims of their own success. And now Saudi are around, no players really mm. safe. I think the Saudi prospect is the most deadly for the smaller clubs because the players who has played, like for example, Mitrovic, I don't imagine he's on a considerable amount of Fulham, maybe let's say 80,000, I know in relative terms. Mm. 80, <laughs> relative that's terms. decent. I think even for Fulham, that's good wages. But considering the good seasons that he's had yeah, there and pro- he's a Premier League player. Probably about right. Yeah, yeah. but now that he's mm. going to get you know maybe the smell of a... Boy, yeah. 400 grand a week contracts he's yeah. going to want to go isn't well it? we're not on the Saudi section yet we will get to Saudi so let's section track, later but on. yeah I do think um, eventually West Ham will end up getting someone like Paulinha but again West Ham are going to have to pay a premium because they've got the money to do it um, just on Marco Silva you mentioned that the Saudi league were potentially sniffing around he's turned down a £40 million offer that shows where his intentions are and that's to stay at Fulham at least that's what the papers say and the papers are also saying across the English Channel in France that Chelsea 
have reached an agreement in principle in terms of personal terms with Michael Elise, the Crystal Palace youngster, and they've made an offer to Crystal Palace to try and sign him. Manchester City are also said to be keen on Elise. That's according to Fabrizio Romano. Maybe that's because Riyad Mahrez is going. But surely, with the departure of Wilfred Zaha looking almost certain now to the Turkish League, Mali, they can't let their young star Michael Elise leave as well in the same window. They might not have a choice, to be honest. Uh, Zaha's already in Turkey. It's in a video of him this morning conducting the fans and feeding his ego a little bit there. But uh, So he's gone. Uh, Elise, if you've got a buyout clause, I'm sorry, but you've got no choice in the matter. Like If, if Man City or Chelsea come in, there's nothing you can do. If they pay, I think it's 35 million, isn't it, the, the fee? Looks a bargain, though. It's not. You know, if it's more than St. Maximan, <laughs> isn't it? You know, so it's it's one of them where I um, think Elise is a really talented player. I remember watching an under twenty one game a couple of years ago. And I know it's the under twenty ones, but Crystal Palace I think won six one and he got five assists. Mm. He reminds me of Mara's. He's had a couple of really good moments mm. in the Prem. So I if if he can build on that into an sort of every week type of player, then yeah. he'll be incredible. Well but, if he reminds you of Mares, is he better off going to Manchester City knowing that the left sided, left footed Riyad Mahrez is mm. on his way to Saudi. That's not confirmed, by the way, but that looks like something that could well happen. Or is he better off going to Chelsea, where there's a young group, they're trying to build something there. He might be more likely to get games. We know what Pochettino's like with younger talent. I don't know what Chelsea are doing, to be honest, because Moody has been really impressive for them on that right side. Mm. Alongside, you've got Raheem Sterling still on the books. You've got Mudrick still on the book. Yep. Zayech still on the book. If I was a guy going into this Chelsea team, I just wouldn't know where I stand with it all, to be honest, mm. because they have so... I, I can't keep up with their roster at the moment. No, it's can't. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems to be outgoing, incoming, outgoing, incoming every day. And like you said, I feel like if he went to City, there is a slot there where he can literally be a reincarnation of Mahrez. And Man, I feel like get away, to Chelsea. could get way more games. Yeah. I know, but also he's a London lad. Is he going to want to stay he's French, in and around he? London? He's he French? plays for France, but he's, right. he's a London lad. So get up to Manchester. It's much, much more like Paris. <laughs> it's the real capital of England. <laughs> I'd go. I'd go to City if I was him. I might, it might take him a year to settle in, like it did with Calvin Phillips and like it did with um, Jack Grealish. But you know, if the if the if the talent is there, then the level will will improve. So I'd go there. There's no Mares. I mean, Bernardo might still go. There's other players going out of the squad. You could you could maybe even fit into midfield if um, if somebody went. Um, As a side note, and you're in the Champions League and Chelsea aren't. Should City be worried next year? Sorry, next season, because they've got a hell of a lot of outgoings at the moment. Mm. Mm. Pretty considerable players as well. When you think about it in terms of personality, like Carl Walker's potentially going. Yep. Gundogan, one of the best players in the Premier League last season, he's gone. Bernardo potentially, and he's one of the best players in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, Mares, another one. Joao Cancelo's already gone. Laporte maybe Walker. be going. Yeah, so Walker? yeah, yeah, did, Walker. yeah. So that's a. That's a pretty big crop of that that team. Do you just reckon that City are going to be? No, nah, they'll be up there. It's, it's they always are. They always mm-hmm. are. They won't finish out of the Champions League places. Oh no, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, they're, they're, I mean, once you win a treble, how do you? 
pick yourself up the next season. But after a treble season, I do feel like also on the flip side, it's probably necessary to do that because I think a lot of players lose a hunger. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like it, This could be a blessing for City. If you lose five or six players, you, you then have to replace them with lads who haven't won the treble last season. to win it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah know, that's true. If Guardiola comes in, mm. if Alicia comes in, if <laughs> you know whoever whoever else, they're all quality players. Yeah. Um, and they you know they want to win the win what they've what they know the team can win yeah so they want they want a taste of it and they their hunger drives you on and I'm pretty sure Erling Haaland isn't full he's, he wants to win everything again <laughs> how do you think you know he eats I mean? he's <laughs> just full of bolts and plates well, he's been eating uh, doner kebab pizza I think that's his favorite food isn't oh, it oh yeah, yeah yeah Pizza with doner meat on top I of it. I as well, mate, but uh, <laughs> we are different skill levels. He looks slightly different body shapes, I he think, between play the two in the of long you. grass of Didsbury. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Michael Elise is interested in Manchester City and Chelsea. Will he leave Palace by the end of the window? Roy Hodgson, of course, is there for another season and decisions to make for the young Frenchman. Next up on Football Social Daily, more transfer talk. It's the Saudi section coming up after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Final part of today's show. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Welcome back. And we've decided to dedicate one section of the podcast a week to Saudi Arabian transfer news. Well, hey, it's the Saudi section. And we're going to start with the fact that Alex Tellez has left Manchester United. The left back has joined Cristiano Ronaldo's Saudi side, actually. Did he ever cut it at Old Trafford? Joel, I guess the answer is probably no. He cut it like a spoon cut a steak. (laughs) If it was Wagyu, then perfectly. (laughs) He did well in the fact that it gave Luke Shaw a kick up the arse Hmm. in terms of competitive nature. He came with a pretty big reputation from Porto. Massive reputation, yeah, yeah. actually. Mm. But when you watched him, he was he was never the dynamic, fast fullback. He was more so like a technical fullback who had excellent delivery, yeah. excellent set pieces. Left foot was absolutely Peak spot on. Peak left foot. Yeah. I was at the game against Villarreal where he scored his only goal, which was, volley. was the volley. volley. Yeah. I've still got a scar on my leg from that game when Ronaldo scored the winner. I fell about five different floors and I've got a massive <laughs> scar. I'll, that is a scar that I tell my grandkids. I'm proud of that one. But yeah, he never cut it and it's a shame, but it was also kind of written as well because he, we knew he didn't have the quality and to recoup any kind of fee for him is a pretty big Christmas miracle, to be honest, because he went on loan to Sevilla last year. Mm. He was pretty poor for them as well. So it just shows how poor the recruitment's been at Manchester United. But I think... Won the Europa um, League though, didn't he? He did. But I don't think he, had, he didn't play a massive, massive part in it. And I just think that it's a kind of blessing in disguise for a lot of clubs now that Saudi are literally picking off these scraps that no one else will take. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy he's gone and he doesn't really leave much apart from a great volley. <laughs> I seem to remember in the early stages of his United career, there was a Champions League group game against PSG in the Parc des Princes and he played really well in that game from left back I think Twan Zebe also played that game and ended up playing really really well yeah I mean it was just a group game and United ended up winning with Rashford I think scored a couple of goals 
But yeah, it's probably fair to say as soon as Eric Ten Hag sends you out on loan and buys in a new left back that your time's ticking down. Now, this is one that is within the Premier League but also has implications in the Middle East. Uh, Raul Jimenez is set to swap Wolverhampton Wanderers for Fulham. Now, that's an interesting move in itself, which we can talk about in isolation. But do you think that is because Mali Mitrovic, as we've already said, could well go to Saudi Arabia, therefore leaving a hole for Fulham, who need a new striker? And Wolves have said, you can help Jimenez. Yeah, probably. Um, it's convenient, isn't it? But I think Jimenez is just, since the head injuries, he's barely scored a goal. Like, scored 10 goals in three seasons. Five million pounds is the quoted fee. Just five million. Five million. He'd have got 10 times that just before that head injury. 17 goals he, he prior was, to it. He was the best striker outside the top sort of six. He was mad, scoring 20 goals a season-ish ish for for Wolves, winning everything. Hold-up play was excellent. He can run, he can dribble and everything, score goals. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a different type of player now. Like, But I think that's... Even if um, Mitrovic doesn't go, Mitrovic gets injured and suspended so often that there's plenty of games there to have. Um, and Carlos Vinicius is is not a good player um, under under as an understudy to to Mitrovic. So it's a it's a decent move if it happens. I think um, makes sense. Five million quid, <laughs> you know, what's five million quid? Mm. Well, they signed him for thirty wolves, and they're going to sell him for five. So do you think they've got twenty five million quid's worth of? Yeah, what they finished seventh twice, didn't they? Yeah, and he was. He I was think was I would a agree. Major, major part of that. So yeah. just I, I should, it's like Marley said, just coming off of that. I mean, that season he got seventeen goals in thirty eight games just prior to that season that he got the head injury, mm. and I thought he was going to get a massive move to, you know, maybe a. Was Arsenal not interested at one point as well? A lot of so. clubs are hovering around. He was one, like Marley said, he's one of the best strikers in the league at that point. And mm. then suddenly, I think for a striker more than anyone in the league, a head injury really does impact you psychologically. Because let's not forget, his aerial ability was excellent oh, prior was to that. And I think yeah, yeah. after you have a head injury, you're it, probably a, a little bit more skull hesitant. As well, yeah. like, as serious as it it's gets. It's a huge injury that. And I think you're way more hesitant. Um, of your health probably when you're on the pitch when that happens and then you could see um, the following seasons he got six goals in 34 games last season he scored no goals in 15 games I think for Fulham it's a bit of a poor move to be honest personally because you got to replace Mitrovic with someone who's not even scored a goal last season he's 32 he's not going to get any better I hope that's some kind of understudy to someone else that they're potentially getting because they're mm. going to fall so short. Well, Marco season. Silva's already expressed how frustrated he is with the lack of signings that mm. Fulham have made. Have they signed anyone? I'm not sure they have, you know. I'm I think they're sure. probably waiting on Mitrovic's departure. It's going to be, what, 40 million? Well, they've signed, they've like re-signed Willian, so nobody knew, I suppose I mean, that's, you could that's say. That's not even a thing, is it? No, <laughs> re-signing really. a guy that was there <laughs> yeah. last season. Offering him a new deal, but and I guess that's like clutching, isn't it? That's proper clutching stores. Yeah, I mean... It looks to me that if Jimenez does go to Fulham, it's because Mitrovic is leaving for Saudi Arabia. A £25 million bid from Saudi was rejected by Fulham, so you'd probably imagine the Arabians will come back with a bigger offer. You know, we'll see what happens then, but that certainly looks like one that's on the cards. And finally, just to round off today's Football Social Daily, the Daily Express newspaper claimed that Liverpool midfielder Fabinho's proposed move to the Saudi league is on the brink of collapse because he hasn't been given assurances that he's allowed to bring his two French Bulldogs <laughs> to Saudi Arabia along with him. This is mental. Why do you need assurances? Like, why Why can't he just bring them? I don't yeah, understand. Why don't, what, what's going to happen? A dog's banned in Saudi Arabia. I don't, 
don't know, but I wouldn't, <laughs> want, to, I wouldn't want to try it because they might end up getting compounded in the dog pound or something. That's something I wasn't expecting to have to Google on a Monday morning. Are dogs allowed in Saudi, in Saudi Arabia? But I think Niall's on it anyway, so we'll, uh, we'll work with bated breath. Well, apparently in a document leaked on Twitter... Oh. Dogs are only allowed to enter Saudi Arabia if they're going to be used for hunting, guard dog, or if they're guide dogs for the blind. The of which <laughs> none of Fabinho's dogs are, unfortunately. No. What's what's stopping you saying, yeah, it's my guard dog? Well, it's, it's, well, not not very, it's not a very... They're French bulldogs. Not a, they're about that big, yeah. as big as a cat. It's not a very good one. <laughs> if you're going to rob his house, just pick That's it. That's why he's got two. That'll be said, I've got exactly, two. Exactly, yeah. They, they dress themselves, they stand on top of each other in a trench coat and look massive. <laughs> it's just like, you know... what. <laughs> Where do you stop? It's like, yeah, it's a pathetic little dog, but it's a guard dog. I've also got like a, a state-of-the-art security oh system and two security guards working for me, but that is my guard dog, yeah. <laughs> well, according to Sharia <laughs> law, which is... a slightly big mouse knocking around the house. <laughs> according to Sharia law, which is what Saudi Arabia operates under, dogs are only allowed into the country as long as they're assigned to certain roles. Like, the dogs need jobs. <laughs> Basically, well, I mean, uh, you can sign remember. up the dogs on some kind of yeah. transfer fee, but I think they'll be able to find ways around it if they're paying that amount. This for is, it. this actually leads leads me to a more sort of serious point about this Saudi Arabia sort of takeover of, of football. They're going to have to relax a lot of laws if they're going to bring footballers from the Western West footballers, yeah, into their country because they're going to come like that's just a trivial thing. Can I bring my dogs? And we've all just said, like, sort of jokingly, of course you can. But then under under the law that the country is in, the, the dog has to have a purpose or a job. And it's like, you know, <laughs> surely that that rule has to be relaxed for yeah, the talent yeah. and special the, dispensation and the expert, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I that mean, he's going to bring in like it's one of the, if not the bizarre. most bizarre reason for a transfer potentially not happening. Forty yeah. million on the table to sign him as well from Liverpool. Yeah, if Liverpool lose forty million quid for Fabinho because two dogs aren't allowed into Saudi Arabia, it would be the most remarkable yeah. uh, reason for a transfer not happening. So I've got a list here of some of the weirdest reasons why transfers are falling through. I want to see if you can remember any of them. So if I give you a name of a player, David de Gea to Real Madrid, oh, fax machine, fax machine, yeah, fax Gosh. machine didn't work. George Boyd to Nottingham Forest, failed an eye test. Oh yeah, he couldn't see far enough to That's the other right. end of the pitch. Yeah. So they were like, right, oh, we're not signing God. you. That was quite a good one. What about Ronaldinho potentially signing for Manchester United? Go on, Joel. You should. I, I, I thought he just changed his mind, didn't he? Last minute, he changed his mind. Why did he change his mind? Oh, I know this one as well. And I'll give you a clue. The last two, the last two days would put anyone off signing because of the weather. Because of the weather. Oh, was it, was he arrived. Was? He arrived at Manchester down. Airport. Saw how badly it was raining and was like. Nah. Is that actually true? Because nah, okay, well, I remember watching the Barcelona documentary and he just kind of turned up at Barcelona and said, I'm doing a medical here. According to Quinton Fortune, the weather oh. is one of the reasons why he didn't well, sign. Kid, yeah. that, that the, oracle, the oracle that is Quinton Fortune. I also remember Robert Lewandowski was meant to go to Blackburn. The, or the Icelandic Icelandic cloud 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 cloud. That's one of the better ones. And this That's is one of my favourite ones. Gary McAllister was supposed to sign for Nottingham Forest. But Brian Clough, when he arrived at the stadium to sign contracts went don't want to sign you why do you think he said that car he drove no, not far off 
shoes you are yeah cowboy boots he was wearing is it <laughs> <laughs> and Brian Clough was like there's that's, no way oh, that's mate, actually worthy of reason as well <laughs> that's brilliant uh, was, didn't uh, Roy Keane and Robbie Savage had that as well didn't he Keane wanted to sign Robbie Savage for yes. Sunderland and he left and he phoned him and his message was uh, his voice no, his, his vo- voice oh. his voice answer message was like can't come to the phone now right now and then he said was it what's that so yeah, we'll yeah, hear yeah. that and he was like I can't oh, be signing that uh, <laughs> All right, well, that brings to an end today's Football Social Daily. If you've got any bizarre transfer stories, maybe from the Sunday league days, uh, as to reasons why someone couldn't sign for a certain club, then we'd love to hear him. Get in touch with us on social media at FSTPod. On Twitter is the best way to get in contact. You can also join our Telegram group as well, which is pinned to the top of our Twitter profile. So if you do want to get involved, then please click on that link, download Telegram and get involved in the group chat. But from Joel Marley and I, that is it for Football Social Daily. We'll be back again in a couple of days time because whilst it's pre-season, we're down to three days a week. And then when the season starts, hopefully we'll be back up and running with five Premier League podcasts a week for you. So that is it from us. We'll catch you next time. See you then. Football Social Daily is a VoiceWorks production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.